The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I have Dr. Paul Thomas. He's a medical doctor, specifically a pediatrician, and he's in the Portland, Oregon area, which is where I'm kind of living right now. I live in the bedroom community called Canby. So I tried to get out in the woods a little bit, get away from Portland. Doc, how are you, how are you keeping up with uh, all the craziness in downtown Portland? <laughs> oh, I pretty much stay away from downtown Portland, actually. <laughs> Although it's funny when all the riots were happening and we were on the nightly news all over the country, you know, if you just stayed away from the courthouse after 10 p.m., Portland was fine. It was totally safe. It was just that that one little area was definitely chaos for a long time. Yeah. The chaos junkies would come out late at night. Oh, yeah. That was like fun and games for them. The vampires. Get get to spar with the police. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your show, Tim. Yeah, brother. Um, So Paul and I met through um, the the. The two, the guys and the gals uh, over at uh, Truthzilla is a podcast I've been on a couple of times. They've invited me on as a guest. And I think, have you been on their show? Yes. Yeah, I think you've been on a couple of times too. And what's really cool is they started telling me about uh, Dr. Paul Thomas and how he's a pediatrician. And he's got a very large pediatrician practice, about 10,000 children. Hopefully I'm correct on that. Yeah, and right. and um, and he's doing really well because, and the and here's the most important thing. The kids are doing fantastic. They're very, very healthy. His practice has probably some of the, uh, I would say per capita, the healthiest kids of, of any doctor I'd put him up against in the nation. And, you know, it just happens to be that he helps them use natural things to stay healthy. And, 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 he, and he really does what's called informed consent. So today we want to get into that and why informed consent is important. I want to get into the, the differences of what um, some doctors are considering informed consent and what other ones are and cr- the fear mongering that's going on with parents and kids and these so-called well visits. And um, the bottom line is, is that you have actually published um, some work, uh, real life work of your own uh, uh, patients on who was vaccinated, who was not vaccinated and compared those results. And you guys are going to be shocked and amazed. And please stay around to the end because we're going to give you some take home advice um, for you parents out there. And please, please, this is a very important episode. You're going to want to share this with your friends and your family. Get this out as much as you can um, on as many channels as you can, because this type of stuff you're not going to hear on mainstream media. They don't want you to hear it. They don't want you to be healthy. They want us to be sick. They want us to be in fear mode. And we are all against that. And um, so with that, Doc, why don't you just go ahead and get into your backstory, how you became a pediatrician and, um, and kind of what you're doing today. Super. Well, thanks for having me on. Like I said, um, I will start off by saying I am not giving medical advice. This is just an informational show. We do still have, I believe in this country, uh, freedom of speech. So just consider this information. Oh, well, that's gone, but keep going. <laughs> right. I mean, we're, work, we're working on winning that back. Right. We're now. working we're on getting it back. Censorship is alive and well, that's for mm-hmm. sure. So I do appreciate what you're doing is to try to get good information out there. So I grew up in Africa, came to the United States for college, went to Dartmouth Medical School, was a board certified, am a board certified pediatrician. Actually, when they yanked my license this past December, uh, shortly thereafter, a few months later, the American Board of Pediatrics sent me a letter that they were removing me. They were stripping me of my board certification, which were challenging because it was based on bogus charges that have since been basically dropped by the board. My attorney approached them and showed them uh, enough information that caused them to retract their uh, emergency suspension of my license. So they're, they're basically admitting that they did something wrong. Uh, my attorney had to get a couple concessions or they weren't going to reinstate my license. So when you read stuff about that, I'm limited back in practice or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I would say this, there is this huge misconception that I am anti-vaccine. I am pro-informed consent. 
And that means, let's just discuss informed consent and then I'll give you my backstory because it's so important. And, and really quick, when you say you're pro-informed consent, I want everybody here to realize that what he is for is choice. Correct. He wants people to be able to have a choice and make your own informed decisions. You choose what you want to eat. You choose your doctor. You choose vaccines if you want to. That's yep. all cool. That's what he's about. He's not about pushing yeah. one thing or another. It's about education. I really appreciate that, Doc. Correct. And in fact, we vaccinate every day in my office. So, and and why? If I'm supposedly this anti-vax doctor, well, I have families that truly believe this vaccine or that vaccine, or in some cases, the full CDC schedule is what they want. If I don't give it to them, they're going to go somewhere else and get it anyway. So, and, and I try to educate them to the best of my ability on the risks, the benefits, and the alternatives. That's the process of doing informed consent. Mm -hmm. And after you've been informed and educated, it should be your right to decide whatever it is you want to do. In this country today, we're finding this polarization and, and a lot of pressure to be against the other side, right? So if I'm a vaccinating parent, my supposedly non-vaccinating, or they like to label people anti-vax, I get labeled that all the time. That's labeling is name calling. That's kindergarten stuff, folks. Let's just deal with the facts. So if you're doing one thing and I'm doing another, why do we need to shame one another? We just share information like we always did as civil people. Anyway, I digress. Let me get you back to how I got to where I am. So Dartmouth Medical School, board certified pediatrician trained in California. I came to Portland, Oregon in 1988. I taught residents and medical students for five years. And then I went into a group pediatric practice where I was with four other pediatricians for 13 years. And for those entire 13 years, up until the, the very last couple, two, three years, I was a mainstream pediatrician. Uh, doing what pediatricians do, which is promoting the CDC schedule. Back then, it used to be the Academy of Pediatrics, AAP, and CDC would get together every year in, in some closed room where they would decide what the country's going to do, and they would come out with their recommendations, which were just adhered to without question. Mm -hmm. And doctors today are still doing that. They come out with a recommendation, and they adhere to it without question. Well, that's all fine and well if our children were doing well, right? If, if this process of vaccinating the children according to the CDC schedule was producing these amazingly healthy kids, man, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, we would all be, in, we would all be for that. Who yeah. wouldn't? We and, all want and, the same. And it's really simple, too, because when you first started this work, were kids healthier then or are they healthier today? Oh, much healthier in, in the olden days. So if you go back to my generation, I'm... 64 right now, born in the late 1950s, um, I didn't see a single case growing up of autism. I didn't see a single case of severe eczema. I had one exercise-induced asthma kid that I went to school with who had an inhaler before sports. That was it. There was no asthma. Don't remember ever hearing of anybody having cancer. Yes, we had some infections. Measles, mumps, rubella back in my childhood were common diseases as well as chickenpox, but we were otherwise never sick. Mm -hmm. And as long as you were nutritionally sound, those diseases were a, a nuisance. I mean, it was no fun, uh, but it wasn't fatal. And, right. and so kids just did amazing. And then even in the early days of my career, we had, a, we had an old DPT. It was called the whole cell diphtheria tetanus pertussis vaccine that was extraordinarily dangerous. Kids would just get high fevers. Deaths were being reported. I had not had a death on my watch, but I was afraid of it because it was such a rough vaccine on kids. That was the one that led uh, the pharmaceutical industry to go to Congress. And um, I think it was Ronald Reagan who signed into law mm -hmm. the act that took away all liability from vaccine manufacturers. Basically, they held the government uh, hostage and said, we're going to shut down operations unless you make it liability free. And people don't realize that to this day. Well, let, let, let's let's unpack that for a moment because a lot of people are unaware that it was the Kennedys who pushed the 1986 Vaccine Act along with Big Pharma. They came to Reagan. They put it in with a, another large bill and just said, hey, look, as Big Pharma, if you don't sign this into law, you are going to be killing millions and millions of people. They put that pressure on, on President Reagan and, and he signed it into law, but what he, what he, I don't think he really knew was, is that 
the vaccine manufacturers were getting sued left and right. There was deaths and kids were getting really sick. And it was like a regular business at that point in time where if you were selling a car and your car drives off and blows up and kills people. Well, you'd be liable. You, you'd be liable. You can right. get sued and they'd probably put you out of business because you're selling shitty cars. Well, yep. guess what? The vaccines were killing people and yep. they needed the vaccine companies needed protections to protect their bottom line. So they used a fear tactic saying, hey, if you don't do this, and then we're going to take all medicine away and millions are going to die. That would have been the best thing that could ever happen to us. I digress. Yeah. But what ended up happening was he signed that bill into law thinking he was helping people. Um, and, and, and he didn't. And, yeah. and he took away all liability from the vaccine companies. Now you can't even sue them. It's right. a great business model. It's it really an is. amazing business model. And, and doctors who recommend vaccines or who give vaccines. I mean, like I said, in my practice, we give vaccines. We are not liable for any harm that comes to any of these patients and those poor families. So I have hundreds of families in my practice with severely injured vaccine injured patients, right? Their children, mm -hmm. they bear the burden by themselves. Insurance companies oftentimes don't even want to pay for the care that these kids need. So you can imagine it absolutely destroys the health and wealth of a family when you have a, a severe vaccine injury. And unfortunately, these are not rare. And that's the other lie that's out there that, oh, vaccines are safe and effective. Um, that's a marketing slogan for folks. So let's just unpack it. Safe. There is no safe pharmaceutical product. Drinking water is relatively safe unless you drown yourself in it. But other than that, vaccines are pharmaceutical products loaded with chemicals and toxins. Of course, there are potential problems, but they are minimized to the point where the establishment and the public health officials say, oh, well, they're safe. No, some are relatively safe, some are quite dangerous, and it's just a matter of how, right? But there, there is no such thing as a safe vaccine. It's just relatively safe or relatively dangerous. How about effectiveness? Some are fairly effective, quite effective, and some are virtually ineffective or not effective at all. Right. And I, we, we don't have the time to unpack all of that, but there's lots and lots of examples of minimal effectiveness to no effectiveness. And then some are quite effective. So that's why it's so important on an individual basis to look at your risk factors, look at the, the community you live in, are the, are the infections for which this vaccine you're being offered, you know, all over the place and killing people, or is this something you don't need to worry about anymore? And do you have family risk factors for injury? Really, the decision should be individualized to the patient. That's modern medicine. That's good medicine, not a one-size-fits-all. So that's the background. You, you alluded to the fact that kids aren't doing well. They sure aren't. And that's what I started noticing in the early 2000s, in 2004, 5, 6, and 7. I had a patient in my practice who was my patient. Right. So mm -hmm. I get about back then I was getting about 30 newborns a month, which was about five, six, seven, eight times more than my partners, more than a typical pediatrician. I had a really robust growing practice. And that I think is what gave me the volume so that I could actually see these injuries that were happening from vaccines. Because if you have a low volume practice and the injuries that are severe enough to really make the connection are not that common, you're, you're not going to make the connection, right? Yeah. So this is why most doctors will still to this day say, no, aut uh, autism is not related to vaccines or, and I'm not saying it is, but the data says it is. Yeah. Okay. So but if you, if you have a small practice and you got 2000 children and two kids get, um, or one or two of them get, uh, you know, autism, you're probably, well, it's, it's statistically whatever, yeah. but two out of 2000 is a bad it, that's still bad. So, so what <laughs> I had, what what I had was four cases in four years of severe regressive autism. But the other thing, it's not just the autism. We were we're seeing epidemic numbers of ADD and ADHD, eczema, asthma, autoimmune conditions, allergies. Something is going on. Our kids are not doing well. And as a pediatrician, I had to ask myself why. And I was taught in medical school to always go back to root causes of what you're seeing, try to figure it out. That just makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the establishment was just saying, well, we don't know. We don't know what causes ADD or ADHD. We don't know what causes developmental delays. We don't know what causes autism. We don't know what causes allergies and autoimmunity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
That's not true, folks. When you deep dive into the science and the data and the published articles in peer-reviewed literature, which is the gold standard, and peer-reviewed literature has all sorts of problems, but at least it's the best we have to go to that at least other scientists will say, okay, at least it's been looked at by our peers. You can find that, of course, we know aluminum, for example, uh, Schoenfeld out of Israel, an entire book, vaccines and autoimmunity, hundreds of articles in those references. I mean, the information is there. We know things like formaldehyde are toxic and they're in so many of the vaccines, on and on, right? So we have the data that we've got a problem, but we're not making the connection. So as I woke up to the fact that my kids were doing poorly, it was actually my, the parents in my practice who would come to me and say, I don't wanna vaccinate. We've had an injured child and I just can't do it again to another child. And, and I had to listen, right? I mean, there's just something about mama instinct or daddy bear instinct, right? Papa bear. It's like, uh, they're trying to protect their kids. If you're yeah. a parent, that is your job, right? To, to, to use discernment to use your ability and your right to think. I mean, we're in a time right now where fear dominates. And when you're in a fearful place, you lose your capacity to have faith and to think. And nobody should take that away from you. It is your right and, and God-given power to think for yourself, use your intuition, look and seek the information and make a good decision. You know, that kind of rolls into where it's like, you know, my dad looks at doctors like, like gods, like they're, they're deities. He is a, a guy who will not take crap off of nobody. He always tells the truth. He's a hard worker. His name is his bond. His word is his bond, excuse me. And, um, and you know, he's got his ways of doing things. Yep. Um, but if a doctor tells him to do something, it's like, whoop, and he's just like, he will do it. He will jump. And it sounds to me like, the doctors are doing the same thing with the medical board and the CDC and, and the FDA. They just, whatever they say, whatever they put out there, they look at that as God, that's it. I, the yeah. Holy grail. Yeah. And the problem is, is that our kids are suffering. Like you, like right. you said, when you started practice and I've had multiple medical doctors that I've talked to that were, were training during the seventies that they're in their early twenties they're in medical school. And they were all told every single one of them told me that they said this, they told us emphatically, that Western medicine is so good that by the year 2000, we will have eradicated all disease. Yeah. Did you, do you remember hearing this? Not quite that dramatically, but yes. I mean, it, it is a belief system, right? That the, the, the education we get in medical school, for example, is so superior to any other education that we really are up there at the top of the heap. I mean, I'm a motivated, ambitious guy. Why did I go to medical school and not chiropractic or naturopathic or any other thing, right? Well, I thought that was top of the heap. So mm -hmm. I've got this massive ego and I'm going, I'm the best. And then, but you're absolutely right. I cowered to the CDC and the NIH who, as I would think, well, who am I to question the smartest doctors, smartest doctors? So I thought, Right. Not realizing that they have to toe a party line to advance in that system. Yeah. I mean, I know people who've moved up in the system and they've been frank with me, looking me in my eyeballs and say, Paul, uh, you're right. You're on the right path. I cannot say that publicly or I would lose my stature and I would I would I would basically lose, lose, lose his job, lose income. And, yep. and it's sad, too. So my point was, is that when we are in fear mode, you lose your power and yep. it's, it's by design. So these doctors, they have huge egos. And if you start questioning at all, they, they get mad. A lot of times they just like, there's the door. Yeah. It's like, if a doctor tells you there's the door, take it, take it, you know, take back. it, take it and go find somebody else that you like that resonates with you. I, it, it's crazy. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Somebody's got a pain in their gut or whatever. They go in, they do an MRI, boom, they've got a liver tumor or they got stage four colon cancer. Well, yeah. we have to do this. We've got to get you in. We got to get you on chemo. We got to operate. We got to bump, bump, bump. We got to do this now. And fear, 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 fear. It's like, wait a minute. And they're like, okay, doc, you've known this doctor like 10 minutes. Yeah. And you're just like, yep, yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I had a friend that did this. His wife got cancer. She had cervical cancer and boom, the doctor was like, we have to do this immediately. This is a fast growing cancer. Blah. And I, and he called me. He's like, Tim, what, what should we do? And I said, you need to get a second opinion. Then you need to get a third opinion and a fourth and a seventh and a 10th and a 12th opinion. You need to talk to multiple people. You need to talk to homeopaths. You need to talk to naturopathic doctors. You need to talk to, um, you know, what medical doctors, um, nurse practitioners, healers, institutes, you need to really gather your information and set back and take a deep breath and meditate and then decide what you're going to, your game plan is. 
So the second doctor they went to, another medical doctor said, this is a very slow growing cancer. This has been coming on for a long time. Complete opposite hmm. of what the, the first MD said. So yeah. right there, they started all of a sudden, she, instead of being in fear mode, she was actually kind of pissed off because she yeah. was a, bus a businesswoman. And now she's like not knowing what to trust, which opened them up to doing more research. Yeah. But my point is, is a lot of people won't do that or they get two opinions. It's both fear, 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 get in there, get chopped, yeah. cut, burn, let's go. And, and how's it working? Our health sucks and it's right. getting worse. The system is. is broken. It doesn't work. The system that does work, that's worked for billions of years is called nature. Okay. Yep. It's called the ecosystem and you are part of it. And you have a system called your body system. You have these things called cardiovascular systems and lymphatic systems inside of you. It's a natural system. Yeah. These are, this is where we need to get back to. We got to just clean up the mess and get that and create an uh, environment so that system can thrive. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I won't speak to that specific case you were sharing, but on, on the whole, I know your own story because I heard it uh, when we were together. Uh, you know, our health is in our own hands and it's through, you know, proper nutrition, right? Avoiding toxin, getting your nutrients, yep. de-stressing your life and, and get rid of fear and embrace your power. And I mean, your story is a, is a shining example of that, right? So yeah. imagine, your, imagine your listeners have heard your story. If they haven't, you should give them the two-minute uh, quick review. Oh, yeah, they know it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got it. I was right. fat, sick, and nearly dead, and I, I detoxed. You know, it's my whole, my whole story with uh, uh, Charles, and he got cancer. We went to Hippocrates Health Institute. We learned about all this stuff. And here I am 11 years later, 48 years old and way healthier than I was when I was 37. I literally feel like I'm 19, which yeah. is a, is a really good thing. And a lot of people can't even believe I'm 48 because of my skin. And yeah, they're like, you have they, great skin. Yeah. And they're like, because I've learned about when you take care of the inside, the outside will take care of itself. So right yeah. now we're going to take a quick break. And um, when we get back, I really want to get into what is the kind of the meat of what you've been doing. This guy that we have on here today, Dr. Paul Thomas, MD has actually published some peer-reviewed clinical data showing that children that are unvaccinated are way healthier than children that are vaccinated. And that's why he's here today. We'll be right back. Humans only use 10% of the brain, and that can't change no matter how much we try. But you don't need to limit your body to the same standards. Bring your cells to 100% with Green 85 Juice Formula. Replace 85% of nutrients your body needs to function to the next level. Our chemical-free juice formula is 100% organic, contains no stimulants, and is made right here in the USA. Visit ChemicalFreeBody.com and get Green 85 shipped right to your door. ChemicalFreeBody.com What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Paul Thomas, medical doctor and pediatrician. And um, wow, I just, um, I'm really excited to get into this. Thanks for your backstory. Um, you know, I know you got into medical school because, you know, you wanted to help kids. You wanted to help people. You wanted to have healthy children, which is good for a healthy community. And we can have a healthy country and a healthy world. That's the whole thing. We want to take care of our kids. They're always the future. And so you started noticing you know, you had four cases of autism and that I think was the, like the, the inflection point or the spark for you to really say, Hey, look, I need to do some my own research. What did you find out? Well, so I had been doing research for about five years at uh, overlapping that time where I was starting to see more and more problems in my patients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I found was first of all, vaccine research is like tobacco science research. So here's what they do. And almost to a study. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to find a study with a saline placebo. So vaccines are generally injections. And when you're in the early phases of testing a vaccine on the population, first you run it through animal studies, which most of you may have heard, those were bypassed for the COVID vaccines because it was an emergency. Scary. And eight, remember, 80% of those fail. Most it, of them fail. So fail you, in you vitro abandon it at that point because you're going to harm people. But when you get to the people trials in vaccines, you're supposed to, if, if this is good science, you're supposed to have a saline placebo. That is the, the control group that is the people who are not getting the vaccine should just get a saltwater shot. We know that's safe other than the momentary pain that goes into your muscle. There's nothing saltwater can do. Our bodies are saltwater, yeah. but that's not what they do. So what they put in that control group sample, they might have a few salines so they can kind of say we had saline, 
placebos, well, not all of them, in fact, almost always, the placebo is either another vaccine or it's the, everything else in the vaccine except for the antigen, which usually includes an adjuvant called aluminum, which we know is a huge problem. So then when you like, look po like, po like polysorbate 80, polysorbate 80 and formaldehyde and, and all sorts of stuff that's in think, there. Think, that, think about this guys. Just, I like dumbing things down formaldehyde. Where else in life do you see formaldehyde being used? So I used to work in a mortuary when I was in college to make money. That's where the formaldehyde was. We embalm bodies. It turns them into plastic. Formaldehyde is one of the stickiest molecules on earth. It will stick to whatever it finds, turns it into plastic, but in a molecular level, it binds to whatever cell and your body tries to get rid of it. So it activates the immune system. So it's put in there on purpose to activate the immune system, but your immune system is going to attack whatever cell it's attached to. And so is it any wonder mm. you might get autoimmunity or allergies or all sorts of un anticipated or even not even appreciated side effects yeah and it's then all the doctors stuff. and big farmers like oh we don't know what's going on We're, we don't we, we don't know we have no idea yeah or they'll say it's such a minute amount you have to realize a cell is a tiny tiny thing and yeah. they're not putting in just one cell's yeah. worth of formaldehyde yeah. it's, it's going all over the place i could put a drop of gasoline in your apple juice go drink that and see how you like it <laughs> yeah or anyway so <laughs> the problem with the science is they don't have a proper placebo mm -hmm. they also don't study long enough right so the trials can last a few days to a week or a few months rarely more than a year or two or three and they pick ahead of time or they change the outcomes they're looking at later when they see things they don't like, but basically they don't look at all health outcomes. They will look at outcomes that don't really matter. Now, here's why that's like tobacco science. Tim, you smoke two packs a day. I'm not gonna smoke any cigarettes and we're gonna- I know, I know, dude, I gotta quit, I gotta quit. Yeah, but no, it's okay. <laughs> you, you, we're gonna look at which one of us dies in a week. Okay. Oh, we both lived, smoking is safe. I wasn't accusing you of smoking you, by the way. I was just using you as an example. <laughs> you just confessed to the world. No, I'm just teasing you. So look. Hey, I'm doing good, dude. It used to be three packs a day. I'm down to two. Good for you. <laughs> so that's tobacco science, right? You, you, you make the, the duration of the study so short that it's not going to matter. And right there, you've... That is just scumbag science right there. Yeah. So that's what happens in vaccine research. And what... I ended up noticing just in my practice, patients come bringing it to my attention is that my unvaccinated patients seemed, now this, I didn't have data yet. They just seemed like they never got sick or very rarely did they get mm -hmm. sick. And it, it, it was just story after story after story, hundreds of stories of kids who got vaccines and within days or weeks or months had terrible health things happening to them. Things that weren't happening to my unvaccinated patients. This is things along neurodevelopmental lines, ADD, autism, that sort of stuff, uh, learning disabilities, tics, uh, all sorts eczema, of- Eczema, psoriasis, that kind of stuff. And then the allergy autoimmunity stuff, the eczema, yeah. psoriasis, and, and whether it be diabetes, which we're seeing more and more. I mean, well, what is going on, right? But I wasn't seeing this in the unvaxxed. I couldn't prove it, but I was very, very suspicious that there was a connection. So back in medical school, we were taught in ethics, avoid- paternalism, which is where doctor knows best, and avoid iatrogenic caused disease, meaning things that we are doing that cause the problem. Well, unless you look properly, you'll never know, right? We go along doing whatever it is we've always done, mm -hmm. assuming that it's safe because it's always been done that way. Well, unless you look and compare it to a control group that's not doing that, you really don't know. Especially so when you have control groups in their clinical studies that aren't really control groups. Like there, exactly. there is no, there is no placebo. There is no sugar pill. There is no saline solution. It's like, they're giving you a, a freaking another vaccine deal. Yeah. And you know so, what you brought, you brought up to me real quick is that, you know, remind me is like, guys, think about this back in the day, look up the ads doctors or seven out of 10 doctors recommend camel cigarettes. Oh yeah. Okay. I used to, and I used maybe, to have that. I used to have that in my presentation. And you know, uh, nine out of 10 doctors recommend vaccines. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. What do we find out about big tobacco and what, what are we discovering here today? So I think yeah. that's a good point. Right. So what we need is data so we can make good decisions. And when we're making decisions out of fear that, and the decisions are being driven by protocols that are developed by the people at the top, 
who are connected with pharma, so they're conflicted. Mm -hmm. I don't think these are necessarily evil people. I mean, there may be a few evil ones out there that are just pulling the strings, but most people have good intentions, but they're caught up in a system. And this system says you do it this way or you're gone, right? Mm -hmm. and, and parents are feeling the squeeze now with having to do vaccines or their kids can't go to school. As COVID gets rolled out, people Scary. are being told they're not going to be able to work or, you know, the pressure is on from above, from people who can control the population by having a carrot and a stick, right? I mean, here's your carrot. They're, they're giving people incentives to go get the COVID vaccine from lottery tickets to actual money. I mean, I've never seen anything as unethical as that. And then the stick is we're, you're, we're, you're going to have severe consequences if you don't get it. You can't work, you can't fly, you, you know, the, you see it coming, right? Anyway, um, I digressed, didn't I? Where was I? <laughs> well, we were, we were talking about the studies. Let's get back to the kids. Your, the, your, your population yes. of 10,000 children in your study. Yeah. So I wrote the book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan in 2016. I had data. I couldn't get it published. You know, I, I'm a in-the-trenches clinician seeing patients. That's where I'm strong. I'm not super strong at running the gauntlet of getting something published in a peer-reviewed journal. It's just a different skill set that wasn't in my toolkit. So I failed at getting my data published. I did have an IRB, so that's an institutional review board to look at the data retrospectively, which is a very safe thing to do. You're not harming anyone. You're just looking at the information you have. So I put some of that in my book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. Basically, my book, the premise is this. You can do vaccines more slowly, only one aluminum containing vaccine at a time, delay the ones that aren't critical at the, at the earliest months and earliest years, because babies who are born to mothers who don't have hepatitis B certainly don't need a hepatitis B vaccine until they're sexually active or sharing dirty needles. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some things that are just kind of no brainers. Common sense would say you wait until you're a teenager for the hep B. So when, when, what, what time is the hep B required now? At what age? So since early 2000s, it's been required at, at birth, two months, and six months. And we now know that it's not giving lasting immunity. So the whole reason it was moved from teenagers to the birth dose was, oh, well, we're going to get a population that grows up immune to hep B and will eradicate hepatitis B. Well, we know that's not working. It, 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 that's the whole point of booster shots. Booster shots tell you that the initial shots aren't working. There's that. In the case of hepatitis B, it's such a non-issue. There's so few people with hepatitis B, they haven't even bothered to recommend boosters, which kind of surprises me. Um, that's money they're leaving on the table. Hey, but I think it would expose the problem, yeah. which is perhaps why they're not doing that. But anyway, so the vaccine-friendly plan is you know, just a slower, more scientifically based, in my opinion, and more scientifically based. Obviously, the CDC disagrees and the Oregon Medical Board disagrees. And that's what they're charging me with is that I'm promoting a dangerous schedule. So they came to me about two, three years ago with a letter from the medical board saying, prove that the vaccine friendly plan is as safe as the CDC schedule. And I remember reading that letter thinking, wow, how do I do that? And somebody wiser than I, uh, actually, I could have thought of this. I just didn't said, why don't you do a quality assurance analysis? I mean, we do that in medicine all the time. We, if we want to analyze if is what we're doing good or bad for the patient, right? You look at the, your information. So I hired an external guy to come in and just get every baby born into my practice, look at their, all their vaccines and let's figure out if indeed vaccines are a problem or not vaccinating is a problem. And what if my patients were all dying of whooping cough? or you know, something for which we had a vaccine. We found there were no deaths from any of the vaccine preventable diseases and much less autism, ADD, all sorts of things in the unvaccinated. And what we ended up doing was we de-identified that data set, sent it off to my co-author for the, the study that was published that I'll just sort of hold up here briefly. So this is, was, is that study on your website? Uh, yes, you will find link in the references on my website, which you go to doctorsandscience.com and you can get my show against the wind, you can get references and lots of links to important things. But this study was called the relative incidence of office visits and cumulative rates of bill diagnoses along the axis of vaccination. And you'll just see the graph that always catches everybody's eyes is the orange line are the vaccinated patients, the blue line is the unvaxxed, and the unvaxxed just hardly have anything going on that's a health concern 
the vaccinated, lots of problems that just get more and more the older you get and the more vaccines you get. What I need to tell folks though, I, I told a parent this yesterday in the office, I'm back seeing patients. Um, she, she asked, and so I had to answer her question. I'm not to talk about vaccines uh, in, an, in a, um, what do you call it? Medical recommendation sense, mm -hmm. but I feel like I have to inform people and answer their questions. It was a specific question about the study, so I just answered it. Those patients in my practice who are shown as vaccinated are by and large vaccine-friendly plan vaccinated, not CDC schedule. So even for those following the vaccine-friendly plan, the outcomes were quite bad when compared to the unvaccinated. And that's just an important point to make. It's a huge it, point. Yeah, it's really important. So people are following the vaccine-friendly plan thinking they're going to get the unvaxxed results. No, you won't. You will have much better outcomes than what we're finding for the population at large that's following the CDC schedule, no doubt. The vaccine-friendly plan has made a huge difference for my population. I do have some of the healthiest kids in town, and probably I'd go head-to-head, -head, as you said at the beginning, with any practice that's following the CDC schedule. I'm quite certain my patients will do much better. Well, let's just look, look, let's look at the mechanics of it. Like, you right now have, you're, you have 10,000 children you're serving. Right. And you're only serving those with three nurse practitioners. Is that correct? Right. That's correct. Now, in a normal practice that has like 2,000 children, how many um, doctors do they have on staff? So I think the average pediatrician runs about 1,000 to 2,000 patients. 1,000 would be a, a typical Okay, so, so you would have, at your practice, you should have about five to six docs. Yes, we had 10 doctors. Uh, we had 10 practitioners three years ago when I had about 15,000 patients. Mm -hmm. And uh, so because of the, the board issues, it scared off several practitioners who just, they didn't want to be in the, in the line of, you know, line of fire and, and they were young and had careers to, to try to protect. And I don't blame them. And student loans to pay off. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole pressure of, of being in a, in, in a practice that's under the kind of scrutiny we're under uh, is scary for people. You know, I'm closer to retirement, which gives me a little more courage <laughs> mm -hmm. and this the way I'm built. I, I don't like to cower to authority when they're wrong. Uh, right. And I'm sorry to call you wrong, but uh, the data shows it. The data shows that you are. So um, I, I feel like, you know, the unborn child, the, the, the little babies that are being taken into offices by their parents who love them and are wanting to do what's best for them, but don't have this information that I'm sitting on, it would be just basically, I can't imagine not giving you this information so you can make a good decision. Yeah. And I, I've, I've seen this stuff multiple times, like, like when COVID first came out, everything was shut down. People couldn't go in and see the pediatricians. The baby well visits were canceled because they just yeah. stopped everything. What did we know happened then? Well, kids were getting healthier. Yeah. And then as soon as the kids flooded in and started getting their baby well visits where they started the vaccine schedules again, there was tremendous amount of deaths. Yeah. The, the yeah. children, ch children death mortality rate spiked up again. So coincidence, I don't know if you've looked into that more and more, but it just, it goes right in line with your data sets and, and, and you have a real life working practice, 10,000 children and the ones that were unvaccinated versus your even vaccine friendly plan, which is kind of up the middle compared yeah. to the CDC's recommendation. They still no, showed tremendous amounts of, of health issues compared to the unvaccinated. So yeah. why is this so hard to, like, why do people have to be like, oh, trust the science. And, and it's like, you know, it's not just the medical doctors. I get it because they have the two, $300,000 in, in student loans and, and their whole practice and their egos wrapped up sometimes. And there's just all these things. But what about the people out there that are just like lay people, but they just like science, science, science all day long and listen to Fauci and listen to the CDC. It's like, right. man, these guys are just masters of manipulation. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's so difficult for the public and even my peers to grasp that perhaps the CDC, who we've always looked up to as sort of the source for information, and, and they do a good job of collecting data, mm -hmm. but they are very selective about what data they collect. So, you know, as I've grown in my understanding of what's really going on, I became aware that, you know, you cannot trust the CDC when it comes to vaccine data. I mean, if you want to know how much some rare disease is happening in the United States, they've got the best data, no doubt about it. 
But if you want to really figure out what's causing health problems in America, it's not the CDC. They don't look at all health outcomes. The, none of the studies for vaccines look at all health outcomes. So, you know, it's, it's like you're going to the wrong source for the information that you're asking. Yeah. There's and so many. Did you do, have you ever followed like Dr. Weston Price, the dentist? Yes. Like, so guys, this, if you don't know his story, he, he, you know, he's looking at all these tooth rot and cracking teeth and gum disease and all this stuff. And he was traveling or something. And he realized these indigenous people in the third world countries, they had these beautiful, bold, strength, white, strong teeth, no disease, no cavities, no nothing. He's like, how is this possible? How can people in a third world country have better teeth, which is an indicator of health, especially bone health, because your teeth are bones, than people in America, than these people, the indigenous people. So he actually traveled around and checked all this stuff out. And the reality was, is they were, it's nutrition. Yep. Right. It's a lack of toxin and chemicals and this bioaccumulation of toxins that's happening on a cellular yep. level in our body and the impacted fecal material, mucoid plaques that have accumulated in our digestive tract from the standard American diet and cooked and processed foods and stress and all these things we're, we're exposed to today. Yeah. So it's like, think about that. It's like, for me, your story. And, and then I think about Dr. Weston Price. It's always back to nature. I, I, I have another story like this, this girl I know, she had a child and we call him the raw baby. His name's Charles. He's a little kid. He's never had cooked food, all oh. sprouts and fresh foods and stuff. And his pediatrician said he's the healthiest kid he's seen in 20 years in practice. He's never had a vaccine, and but she's been vaccinating him every single day with healthy yeah, sprouts and foods and all those yeah. phytochemicals and hormones and oxygen and enzymes that are flooding his body. The kid's happy. He's healthy. And I've got tons of stories like this. I have tons yeah. of clients that are families. They yeah. love our products and they're the same thing. They, they have the healthiest kids ever, never yeah. been vaccinated. And it's always the same thing. They have their kids plugged into nature. Sure. So. Let food be your medicine. Absolutely. Uh, I grew up in Africa. I was in a village till I was in grade four or five. And um, we never saw a dentist when we were living in the village and never had a cavity. And it was uh, the, my, my village friends never had problems with their teeth either. We used to break off the branches of a certain tree and you'd bite on it till you created kind of what looked like a toothbrush. Like a neem? Yeah. And then you would just sort of scrub your teeth. But I mean, we had no access to bread sugar, candy, sweets, anything. We ate fruits and vegetables and berries off the, off the land. Yeah. Um, occasionally, oh. occasionally a chicken and, and once a year, somebody would kill a cow. I mean, it was really, really healthy, you know, eating off the land and nobody was sick. I mean, other than those very contagious infectious diseases that I mentioned at the beginning, measles, yeah. Montreal, chicken pox, uh, which was a rite of passage. And if you were nutritionally sound, you were fine. And think about like the aristocrats, the Kings back in the like 1500s, like the peasants were healthy because they were eating lower on the food chain, but the King was yeah. having his big roasted Turkey all the time and all this cooked fatty foods. And yeah. they actually had access to sugar, even though back then sugar was like kind of kept under lock and key. Cause it was considered like, you know, it was only for birthdays and holidays and parties. And, but the Kings and stuff, those are the people, the aristocrats, those are the people that were fat and out of they were unhealthy. They were the unhealthiest. So if we want to get healthier, we have to plug back into nature and eat very low on the food chain. Yeah. The closer your food is to the sun, the healthier you're going to be. And the less man's processed it, then the healthier you're going to be. So we're going to take yeah. a quick break. And then we get back. Um, we can talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, we're just going to wrap when we get back. <laughs> so we'll, right. be, we'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Paul Thomas, um, medical doctor. Um, he's the author of The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. That is a book you can check out, and that's how he operates in his uh, clinic here in Portland, Oregon. He's also the author of a book called Addiction Spectrum, which is like a compassionate, holistic approach to recovery for those with, um, you know, those, uh, it's autoimmune, dis well, uh, is it autism? No, addiction, uh, that, book, that book is dealing with the concept that 
whether it's your addiction to food or drugs or alcohol or, or gambling or, or sex, uh, whatever it is that you may be getting, addiction is a term that they're trying to get rid of, actually. I'm an addictionologist and, and our field is trying to get rid of that term. And we want to just call it that you have dependence upon, right? So you're drug mm -hmm. dependent or alcohol dependent. But in that book, I wanted to point out that any illness happens on a spectrum of severity, right? Mm. So autism spectrum disorder means you could be very mild to where you're highly functional, super intelligent, going to college or working at a high tech industry, or you could be, you know, spreading uh, fecal material on the wall and you're nonverbal and you're screaming and running around in severe pain. Yeah. Uh, that's a spectrum of severity. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, with it. alcohol or addiction, it's no different. I mean, I drank too much alcohol once a week when I was in college, I just went out to the bars with my friends and we bought pictures and I liked the effect and I drank too much. Right. <laughs> uh, I share my story in that book. I became what I would consider alcoholic. I had taken it too far mm -hmm. to where it was difficult to stop. Right. Yeah. And so I wanted through that book and for people to understand the process of what goes on that you might identify yourself before you get to that point of no return. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to have to, we'll have to have you back on to go on that. I think that's a really important topic to talk about. We'll have to have you back on if you don't mind for that. Sure. But today I want to stick with um, the, like, so these results, like yeah. your published work showing that children that are vaccinated versus children that are not vaccinated. These are real life patients. Yep. Data sets from real life people out of your practice showed emphatically that the, the children that were not vaccinated were way healthier. They had less diseases, issues, all these things. Now, That's your correct. paper got retra re retracted. Right. What you told me off, off screen here was that there's about 20 papers that have been retracted, that have been published, that people went through the process, they did the clinical studies, they did the reviews, they did the data sets, they put it all together, great yep. work published it and then 20 of them got retracted what was the common uh commonality in all of those studies that got retracted yeah so uh, on my show against the wind which you can watch every other tuesday and actually you can access old episodes uh dr gets now gets uh from israel he is a criminologist sociologist harvard trained he did the deep dive into this research he talked about it it's been published the one common denominator for all the retracted studies that deal with vaccines is that their conclusion or their results showed vaccines in a negative light. So there are hundreds, if not thousands of tobacco science crap studies published on vaccines that show either vaccines are safe or whatever they want to show. Mm -hmm. But if you try to publish something that shows vaccines are a problem, good luck getting through peer review, first of all. Usually you cannot get it published, which was my first experience. Secondly, if you do get it published, which we did, our article went through rigorous peer review, they just keep coming after it until they finally find, uh, I don't know exactly how they pressure these journals to retract, but there's no doubt these journals must be under tremendous pressure or coercion. I, I just don't know the details because who knows what happens behind closed doors, but why would a a uh, properly peer-reviewed study be pulled from one complaint. Uh, hmm, maybe makes, it's uh, money? Could, could there be a conflict <laughs> of interest? Yeah. And, and honestly, that's why I knew when I wrote the vaccine-friendly plan, I would be targeted because that book is sort of taking aim at the CDC schedule. I'm not saying necessarily that vaccines are categorically all evil. I'm just saying that schedule has not been tested for safety. It has some real problems scientifically. And there, if you're going to vaccinate, there's clearly a better way. Yeah. I, I'm not going to hold that punch because the, the facts are all there. The book is referenced with peer-reviewed literature, okay? Hun over 100 references uh, that are the kind of references that doctors think are solid. So, you know, putting that book out was the first sort of shot across their bow. And I knew well and good that I was going to get retaliation. It has come in the form of the medical board trying to take my license. Uh, when I published this study that we've been talking about, Tim, the vaxxed unvaxxed study, within five, <clears throat> excuse me, within five days of that being available online, they had an emergency meeting and there was an emergency suspension of my license stating that I was a threat to the public, right? A threat to public health. Um, it's interesting. They've been investigating me for two, three years, and I was not a threat until I published that study. Hmm. Weird. Um, anyway, 
I'm back in my practice because my attorney went to the board and showed them information that I think scared them enough that they were out of line. Uh, truly, they the charges that were levied against me are pretty much every single one of them. Um, other than the fact that they're saying I'm not pushing the CDC schedule, that's a fact. I, I follow informed consent. But other than that, their charges are all bogus and they're not from patients. I think there's one of them that's a patient charge. These are uh, anonymous uh, complaints. See, this is what really frustrates me. It's like doctors go to school, whatever, however, you know, back in the day, it was a doctor would come to your house. He'd take care of you. He probably trained from another doc, you know, apprenticeship. It's probably how it went down. That's how it was. You'd have mentors and gurus and people you would learn from. We look at the Chinese herbal or medicines been around, you know, thousands of years, uh, You've got this Siddhar and Ayurvedic healers over in India, 10,000 years. They've been around. It's mentorship and training. And what they found out and why they got so good over 10,000 years is they found out what didn't work. We tried this, we tried that, we tried this. And then they learned how the systems of the body work. So somebody like you that's as earnestly in your 20s, you want to get this degree, you want to go out and help people, you get in practice and then you see, okay, well, that's not working. Let's try this. And you find something that's working you'd think you'd be able to share it and then disseminate it out to the, every, all the other doctors. They could look at it and say, oh yeah, that worked for, thanks, Dr. Paul Thomas. This is really great. And then the whole collective gets better, right? But no, you can't do it because you're handcuffed with standard of care. Yeah. It's the, it's the top-down approach. Right. And this standard of care issue really harms science. I mean, I think science, when it's done in the proper way, mm -hmm. pure science, is the gold standard of how we should operate. I mean, you know, when you talked about Ayurvedic medicine and all that, I'm, I'm in favor of all those types of learning, but boy, when you put scientific method and you do it properly, it's powerful. But somehow when we're dealing with pharmaceutical interests and, and financial interests, which is basically pharma, whether it's drugs or vaccines, uh, the science gets distorted and, and it's kind of captured such that they can, I mean, think about it. If I'm going to do a study on a pharmaceutical drug, uh, it will get published if I can show that drug was helpful. Mm -hmm. It will probably not get published if I show that drug was harmful or not helpful. And that's been going on for you decades. can probably get you can probably get funding for that too. They'll give you they'll fund there you, you go the, and they'll fund me, you to the moon if you for me to it. survive in the research world. I need funding, and who's doing the funding? It's pharma. Period. Mm -hmm. If you try to do uh, studies on natural supplements, uh, it's impossible to get funding, right? I yeah. Mean, almost impossible. Anyhow. Um, yeah, I, I just, did, go ahead, keep going. Sorry. I did publish a couple other studies. So one that actually preceded the vaxxed unvaxxed was an aluminum study. We basically just did a model of aluminum retention in the body and compared the CDC schedule to the vaccine friendly plan. And it showed that for the first seven months of life on the CDC schedule, you will be spending 30 to 70% of your days as an infant above toxic levels of aluminum following the CDC schedule. It was about 5% following the vaccine friendly plan. That's not okay either, folks. You should mm -hmm. not ever be above toxic levels of a known neurotoxin. Why? I mean, that's just insane. So I'm I'm now wanting people to understand that even the vaccine friendly plan is not friendly enough. You're mm -hmm. still injecting too much aluminum too fast. It just has to do with how much aluminum is in the vaccines and how little those babies' bodies are. They are not designed to be able to handle that much aluminum. So there's that study out there. Uh, it's, it stands, it's solid. And then the other one that's of interest is the... Uh, perverse incentives article I published about the money that's being made in pediatric practices by vaccinating. So what I did for this one is I took a month's worth of all the super bills. So everything that happened in my office for a month, flip side of all our super bills are all the vaccines we're supposed to give according to the CDC schedule. And my staff all know that we recommend the CDC schedule by checking off everything they're not, that they don't have that they're supposed to have. And we tell them, this is what's recommended. We go through that informed consent process of saying, you know, here are the pros, the cons. One of your choices, of course, can be not to give the vaccine if that's your choice. So they refuse a bunch of them. And then we looked at the lost revenue from those vaccines that they were supposed to get that they refused. It, it translated to over a million dollars in a year. Now, in a practice that bills two to three million a year gross billings, when you lose over a million, 
that's not sustainable. So any business person and medicine is a business, um, any business manager would tell their doctors, you've got to follow the CDC schedule or we're not going to keep our doors open. Mm -hmm. And when you're faced with that kind of conflict of interest, it becomes very difficult. You know, self-preservation kicks in. Now, to my peers, if you're watching this, I know you don't think this way. I didn't either. I never thought that I was going to vaccinate or not because of the money. That's just not how pediatricians think. But the system is just set up to continue doing what we do. And what we do is lucrative. And that's what that paper showed. Hmm. Well, man, um, just just some some truth bombs have been dropped today. Real world stuff um, for the listeners listening. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to this. Um, it, it really is about education. We have to we have to get educated today. Otherwise, we're going to remain slaves. And, you know, that's just where we're at today. We talked earlier. I mean, our First Amendment is gone. Um, we have to win it back. We have um, just there's just so much corruption. But the good news is, is that every all these issues and everything that Dr. Paul Thomas is talking about, it, it, it revolves back to we need to improve public health. And how do we do that? We do that through improving our infrastructure. So we need clean air, we need clean water, clean food, healthy food, fresh food, and um, clean streets. We got to get, you know, you heard me talk, Doc, when we were at the at the event, and it's like the turn of the century, 1900, we had lots of urine and feces in the streets, dead cows in the water, and the women's labor movement, which where there was no social media, nobody had Facebook accounts, there was no Google, there's no search engines. Uh, I don't even think they had tele Did they have telephone back then. Yeah, I guess they might probably had a little telephone going on, but you think about it, the, the technology was nothing. And from the 1900s, over 200 million people striked from 1900 to 1970s, and they got all that stuff out. They cleaned up the water, the food, the, the urine and the feces out of the streets, and 97, 96% of all infectious diseases were gone by the mid-50s. Measles vaccine hit the scene in 1963. So it was a big pharma it saved us from the measles and in fact infectious diseases no it was the movement it was the labor movement and think about it 200 million americans striked i mean when people i first heard that i was like that's a lot back then that's a yeah. lot of people people from, need to take back their power there's no doubt no yep, doubt about it yep folks you are um you are a slave if you aren't feeling free to exercise your own decision making when it comes to your health so bodily integrity should be undeniable. Nobody should be able to tell you, you must put a needle into your body. Come on. And yet that's exactly what's happening around the country, especially around COVID based on an emergency authorization. You can't even legitimately call it a vaccine. It's a biologic product that's injected into your body that tricks your body into making spike protein. The very thing that's causing all the harm, they're actually injecting that into your body. Uh, it's GMO of humans. And so that ought to cause you to pause and just say, whoa, no long-term safety studies, bypassed animal studies, being forced on us, coerced to take it. Do you, do you sense any sort of like, wait a minute here, right? Yeah. Follow your instinct, put a pause on that, especially for your children. I'm a pediatrician. Kids are totally fine with COVID. It's like a one in a million chance of death. You're going to get struck by lightning before you're going to die of COVID if you're a kid, probably if you're a healthy adult as well. So take a pause. Let us watch what happens to the almost two thirds of our country now who've been vaccinated. Scary. And it's scary. And let's just see what happens with them before you uh, roll up your sleeve and, and succumb to the pressure. And I, I'm already reading that it's not going well for the vaccinated. Now, the news isn't reporting it that way in the United States, but if you look at the data from around the world, the most vaccinated countries are having the most problems. Yep. So there's something going on in the vaccinated. We're, we're starting to get a clue to what it is, but I don't want to throw that out here as scientific fact until we get more yep. data. But it's definitely concerning, and I think this is a time to throw fear out the window and you can do that by grabbing hold of your own mind, your own decision-making, and don't be forced to do anything until you know it's absolutely the right thing for you. Absolutely. Rely on nature. So let's say somebody's, you know, they hear, they hear this, maybe this is the, the tipping point for them. They're like, wow, maybe I've made a mistake with my children. 
I've already vaccinated them though. I'm partway through the schedule or whatever, or I got a vaccination. Maybe they're like, maybe I don't want to do that anymore. What would you recommend people do that have already been vaccinated or their children have been vaccinated to kind of counterbalance um, these adjuvants or these, you know, toxic, you know, like the polysorbid eighties and the aluminums that they've been injected with and who knows what else, what would you yeah. recommend? Well, whether you're unvaccinated or vaccinated, you know, anything you can do to make sure you're boosting your immune system, you're boosting your ability to detox is going to be helpful. So first and foremost, the thing you're a big advocate for is real food, preferably organic, lots of clean water that's been mm -hmm. filtered properly. And then there are certain supplements that will help your immune system. Vitamin D is one of the ones at the top of my list, just because we make vitamin D when sunlight hits our skin and we live so far from the equator. Uh, even people at the equator go outdoors clothed. And so it is really, really hard to make enough vitamin D. And if your vitamin D is low, that is affecting your immune system. It affects that innate, that natural inborn immune system. And that's the strongest arm that's fighting COVID. So take enough vitamin D. I recommend you take D3 with K2. And then there are a number of other supplements that can be super helpful at this time with what's going around in our world. So there's zinc, there's vitamin C, uh, there's quercetin, and um, Frontline Doctors has protocols for those who just want to prevent getting sick, those who get sick and need to get better from home, those who get hospitalized or in deep trouble, and even those who've been vaccinated and are having trouble. So I would check them out, uh, visit some reputable uh, organizations. You may have heard of the Disinformation 12. Hmm, interesting. Look them up because uh, the Disinformation 12 are people who are giving information that the establishment does not want you to have. This is people like uh, Children's Health Defense, uh, people like Dell Bigtree and Highwire. Uh, I'm not controversial enough yet, so I didn't make the Disinformation 12, uh, but um, yeah, I, I would look to organizations that are really trying to get the information to you and are being censored because of that. Yeah, I would also recommend you guys go to <clears throat> Dr. Shiva Ayadure, who's one of the top immune system experts on the, in the world, down to the molecule, um, who, like I was telling Paul earlier, uh, gave the modern immune theory of the immune system speech at the National Scientist Foundation in the fall of 2019. So it's not just the innate and the adaptive, it's the interferon system, it's the gut microbiome, it's the brain. These yeah. are all interconnected yeah. systems and it's those interconnections that are important. And we, we, we can't just be relying on, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we're just gonna give everybody some antibodies. Yeah. Right, that's silly because that's like one, that's like having a symphony orchestra at your fingertips and you have one person play the clarinet. Yeah. That's what yeah. they're doing with, with these vaccinations. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's really silly. So. Um, and I will say this, um, Dr. Shiva, if you type this into your browser, Dr. Shiva, letter to President Trump PDF, Dr. Shiva, letter to President Trump PDF, he has the whole thing back, I think it was in March 2020, he laid out um, what you should do if you're with, if you have COVID and you're healthy, if you have COVID and you're not healthy, if you're in critical condition or if you're healthy and you don't have it, or if you're not healthy and you don't have it, he's, he has all those recommendations in there. And a lot of it's what you said. There was certain amounts of vitamin A, palmitate, vitamin D, zinc, or iodine. I don't think zinc was in there, but iodine and uh, vitamin C for maintenance and high dose vitamin C IVs for those that are in critical condition. It's a major shock absorber to help people. And, and we, we have Dr. Ryan Pageant, who is a medical doctor up in Seattle that got sick back in March, uh, April of 2020. And you know, they saved his life with an experimental treatment. And part of that treatment was high dose vitamin C IV that leaked out in mainstream media, in the Los Angeles times, but how come that didn't go all over the internet? Yeah. Hey everybody, high dose vitamin C IV saved Dr. Yeah. Paul, medical doctor, doc, you know, this doctor up here in Seattle. Yeah. Exciting news. Let's spread the word and we can just start hooking people up to IV bags. And you know, we've been doing that for pneumonia. We've been doing it for colds and flus for years, sending people recommending yeah. high dose vitamin C IV because it works. Yeah, there are absolutely treatments for prevent prevention, treatment if you get this illness. Uh, remember, I'm not making treatment recommendations. Just That's pointing, right. Just pointing you to information, folks. Uh, but grab hold of it. Grab hold of your own future. God bless. All right. Well, hey guys, thanks so much, Paul. Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom and all your hard work and what you did with these clinical research and getting it published. And I, and I commend you for going against the grain 
and, and fighting for truth, freedom, and health in, in your neck of the woods, which is where I'm at. And uh, so we really appreciate that. And I really want to appreciate the listeners around the world. Love you guys so much for consuming this content, educating yourself, sharing it with other people. Um, you know, uh, you guys motivate me so much to go do the extra effort and find great people like Paul to bring more education here so I can learn myself, you guys can learn, and we can be the ripple effect as we get truth, freedom, and health out to the rest of the world. And until next time, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. Ha, ha, ha.